minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome inside one of our last draft edition podcasts. It might actually be the very last one that we have. It is Wednesday, April 24th. We are sitting one day away from the NFL draft. We'll be, guys, draft is here. It's tomorrow. Be excited. What are the Packers yes, going to do? And that, as, as you can hear, is one of my guests. I, my name is Nick Schmitz. I am your host for today. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsSchmitty. And as you heard my guest today, back again, joining me today, Russell Brown and Owen Reese. Uh, Russell is a national scout for CoverOne.net and host of the Cover One NFL Draft podcast and has been heard on ESPN Radio, Fox Sports Radio, and CBS Sports Radio. And Owen is a writer for Bucky's Fifth Quarter and Inside the Pylon and played right guard at Carroll University. You can follow both of them on Twitter. Russell is at Russ NFL Draft and Owen is at Reese Draft. Guys, welcome back. It is the last draft podcast that we will be doing together as a team. It has been great working with you guys. And today we are going to be discussing your guys' draft sleepers. So uh, when we say draft sleeper, that can mean quite a few different things. It could be somebody going higher than we think, somebody that maybe um, isn't really on anybody's radar as far as you know, potential good player to get in the draft that nobody's looking at. So let's just jump right into it and let's get your guys's draft sleepers heading into tomorrow's draft. Russell, we'll start with you. Who do you have on your board that somebody might not be looking at? Well, he's the guy that's 49th on my board, but that's simply because of the injury. But it seems like he's a first-rounder, so it's not really much of a surprise, but I think he could be potentially the first receiver off the board, and that's Marquise Hollywood Brown out of Oklahoma. And a lot of it's because I think people are on the same side of the the fence as me with this he's 165 pounds didn't do anything at the combine he's got the uh what's it lips frank injury uh so lower body injuries all over the place but he's an explosive player and i just think there's too many teams in the first round that see that film they see that tape and they say hey you know what i'm gonna take this guy uh he's just too good to pass up and then I, i continue to circle back to oakland oakland's a team that i think at 24-27, because of Antonio Brown, who is related to Marquise Brown, he is certainly a player um, that I think would just, they would probably be teamed up well uh, because of like the family ties. And maybe not, maybe it could be a distraction, but I, I think just there's too many teams in the first round that would make sense for, for Marquise Brown. I do have a second one, but I'll let Big O go, and then maybe we can go back to me to, to close that out. Well, I've actually got two as well, so that works out well. However, uh, I just kind of wanted to expound on that a bit. Um, yeah, that list, Frank, is basically a uh, – it's like the arch of your foot. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, a big issue for players that rely on explosiveness, especially guys that are 165 pounds um, for sure. So I'm going to – I'll hit my first one, and then we'll circle back around since we both have two of these. Uh, the first one um, that I'm going to hit on, and, and it's a guy that I've really liked over the past few months that uh, – has been creeping up more and more. He ran a four, three at the combine, which really kind of caught some people's attention if he didn't have it already. Um, uh, despite Ian Rappaport calling him, uh, 
relative unknown uh, just a couple days ago on Twitter, Darnell Savage from uh, the safety for Maryland is a guy that um, he's a bit of a dog. He, uh, interestingly enough, uh, he was in the airport with Russell and I, uh, when we were flying into mobile from Atlanta, true that, um, but, uh, he's a guy, he's a super versatile safety. Um, he's one of those guys. I think he's athletic enough to play single high. Um, he's extremely aggressive. He loves to run the alley against the run. I think he's versatile enough to line up as a nickel, um, be one of those tight end, uh, matchup erasers. Uh, so I think he's a guy that with his athleticism, his versatility, um, you know, and just his altogether solid tape, I think he's a guy that uh, NFL teams are, are really going to fall in love with here late uh, and really kind of push himself up into that category with uh, Florida's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and, and my second guy that, that people are potentially, um, you know, maybe a little too low on or he could go higher than what they think. Um, so, yeah, Savage, I think, is definitely in that territory, excuse me, territory for me. Um, and I think that he's going to make some team happy uh, and, and end up somewhere right around the end of that first round, somewhere in that 28 to 27 to 32 range. Uh, someone's going to want to jump up and get him. Uh, so that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I like Darnell Savage, too. I think he's uh, an interesting player. I w- I'm a little late to the process on him, which is unfortunate, but more than likely he'll be a player that when after he gets drafted, depending on where he goes, if I like the fit, uh, I'll probably break down to how he fits that team. That's something I like to do after the draft. So um, I, I'm, I'm I'm upset with myself for, for being so late to the party on it because he is pretty damn talented and he gets around to the football. Uh, and then my second guy would be Charles Amenawa of uh, Texas. I've been in on that for pretty much day one here. That's been kind of my brand, uh, as the kids call it. The guy's got incredible length. We saw him at the Senior Bowl, just stood out like a freaking tree. 6'5", 280, 36-inch arms, just a huge, massive frame. He improved his three-cone drill uh, at the Pro Day, and he actually ran it faster than Rashawn Gary and Cleveland Farrell. At the Combine, he ran at uh, 7.48 seconds, which would kind of identify why he looks stiff on film at times, but... At the pro day, he got it up to 7.23 seconds. So maybe it's 7.3, but at least that improvement is there. So I like seeing that. But overall, he's a versatile player. I I think he could easily be a a first-round pick simply because of the needs that are there. I think Seattle, by trading away Frank Clark, they've developed a need at either 21 or 29. And I think he'd be a terrific fit there because of how versatile he is at playing as a 4-I, a 5-technique, a 2-I. He's even played as a little bit of a nose and a stand-up edge. So he's got a lot of different spots. And the Indianapolis Colts as well at 26 have a ton of interest in this kid. Um, So I think with his blend of power, speed, length, And that versatility, there's certainly a home for him at the end of the first round. 18 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, defensive lineman of the year out of the Big 12. So, again, I think this guy's a first rounder. I don't think he gets enough credit. And if he falls uh, out of the first round, that's, I think, a a shame on on some of the teams. So that's my second guy. Uh, For sure. I think, especially when you mentioned Seattle, um, not necessarily the same style of player, but the same versatility and the same size profile. Uh, someone like Michael Bennett, yep. uh, it's out to me, Seattle obviously uh, traded him away a year ago. Uh, one of those big guys who can bump inside on long and laid downs, but can play outside in, in the base. So that makes sense. Um, and then for my second one, I'm going to stay with the safety position. I mentioned that, that Savage is in that same thing as him earlier. Uh, Juan Thornhill from Virginia is a guy that's gained quite a bit of traction here. Ladies, extremely athletic, uh, ran fast at the combine, and I believe a 41-inch vertical jump. 
uh, just some freak athleticism. And, and he's a guy that he's got a, a bit of corner background. He started at corner at Virginia before being bumped back to safety. So he's a guy that has some of that versatility, some of that background. Again, some teams that that take these hyper-athletic safeties and, and move them to corner, uh, hoping to find the next Richard Sherman or, or Jalen Ramsey. But a guy that he's going to make some team happy. Um, really natural catching the ball as well. A lot of defensive backs fight that at times. Uh, that's not an issue for Thornhill and someone, like I said, that's gained quite a bit of traction. Someone like the Kansas city chiefs were uh, a thought that, that would have made a lot of sense. Obviously they just traded away that pick for Frank Clark today uh, at 29, but um, someone late in that first, first round, someone like Indianapolis, like you mentioned with Omeno who as well, uh, someone looking to bolster that secondary with some versatility, the green Bay Packers could also, I believe be in this discussion, uh, a team still truly looking for that second safety uh, I still believe Josh Jones is going to end up closer to the line of scrimmage than farther from it. Uh, so someone like Thornhill would allow uh, Adrian Amos to play in the box a bit more at strong safety and really allow uh, Thornhill to play at free. So uh, someone that, that I think has been pretty widely regarded as a, a day two guy for much of this process, I think he could sneak into the end of the first round uh, pretty quickly here on Thursday. And that's uh, Juan Thornhill from Virginia. All right, well, so we've got four players here. Let's talk about them a little bit as far as potential for the Packers here. I know there have been a lot of fans out there that think that Hollywood Brown would be a great fit with the Packers or maybe maybe great, maybe great fit isn't the word, but kind of like a, he's a very popular, you'd be, you know, work well with Aaron Rodgers, so... Uh, Russell, let's go, let's go back to Hollywood Brown here for a minute. You talked about him. Um, w- would he work in the offense with Green Bay? And, you know, it seems like, from my perspective, the, the receiver room in Green Bay is it's crowded, but it's not because there's a lot of – obviously, Devontae Adams is your one. You brought back Geronimo Allison. I would, I would presume that he would start as the two in camp, maybe fall to three, depending on what happens. And then you have the three receivers from last year that they drafted who all have shown flashes of potential, but you don't know where exactly they're going to go. So does wide receiver make sense for Green Bay with how high Hollywood Brown is kind of being projected for going? And then the other question that I really have, because I don't know much about it, you're talking about his weight at 165. That seems really light for an NFL athlete. Like, I mean, even for yes. a small position, like how concerning is 165 for an NFL player? It's incredibly concerning. Now, I, I, I bring it up simply because I thought there was there, – there's certainly, I think, a need for maybe another receiver. You want to get that other weapon in there. But at the same time, yes, it's it's extremely concerning. I'm a relatively thin guy at 170 pounds, and I weigh more than that. So, like, that's got me thinking, all right, maybe I, you know, dust off the cleats and I go back out there. Not really, but, um, you know, Hollywood Brown is just, I think, a, a fit in a way that it's concerning with the weight, but he's a fit for playing in the slot, doing things vertical that you don't really have right now. Like, Devontae Adams is a guy that I think does really well uh, along the sidelines. I think he's a really good red zone threat. Obviously that shows statistically, but for just going after Hollywood Brown, you get a guy that with that explosiveness, I think it certainly makes Aaron Rodgers that much more better. And it gives you that other weapon. Like you, you, you don't necessarily need to go first round to replace a Hollywood or replace a Randall Cobb, 
but I think there needs to be that consideration. I've talked about it before on the show. I think you need to consider replacing a Randall Cobb. Um, and, and maybe you don't do it at 12. Maybe you don't even do it at 30. Uh, I, I simply just brought it up that, you know, he could be a player that slips in much sooner than people think. And maybe it is Green Bay at 12. Um, I, I think it's probably they're going to go offensive line or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Hollywood Brown just is is a guy that is like I, 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 I can't put it into words on. I can't put it into words of how, like well he would be with Aaron Rodgers without it actually happening because I, I think Aaron Rodgers makes throws that are just so unorthodox and so he can go off script so well that with Marquise Brown and, and Kyler Murray I think it makes a, just a ton of sense just how it would translate from college to the pros if that makes sense okay so I'm gonna jump in here quick <clears throat> I think uh with Marquise Brown I think that's something that I've been a fan of uh I don't think that the Packers, like Nick mentioned, I don't think that the Packers need a receiver. Um, I would say that's a fair assessment that the room is crowded, um, although I wouldn't say that to be that the room is full. Uh, I, I I don't think, other than Devonta Adams, I don't think there's another guy on the roster that you're like, I don't think we need to take a receiver because we have blank. You know, Geronimo Allison has been a fine player. He was an undrafted free agent. You've got three day three draft picks, and you've got another yeah. undrafted free agent in Jake Kumaro. And that's really the rest of the room. And, and there's certainly potential there, but I think someone like Brown uh, brings another element to that. I think there's a couple things. Um, one regarding Brown's weight, I think you hope he's Deshaun Jackson, right? right? Deshaun Jackson coming out was around 170 pounds, blindingly fast, and that's the same type of play style that Brown has. I think that's the ceiling you're hoping for with Hollywood Brown uh, would be someone like Deshaun Jackson, who was very slight, uh, but extremely fast. And you just don't put him in positions where he's able to get squared up by NFL defenders. I think that's a, th- a big thing as well. Um, and I think the biggest thing with him as far as like a fit, I, these uh, McVay, uh, Shanahan LaFleur offenses when they've been good have had a speed guy like a pure speed guy I think if you look in Los Angeles they've got Brandon Cooks he's very fast if you look back in um when Shanahan was in Atlanta they had uh Taylor Gabriel um and then Julio Jones is obviously an alien and and he was able to play that role as well at times back when Shanahan was in the Redskins they had Aldrick Robinson um so those types of guys I think that I don't know if he would be a need per se. Uh, the, like I said, the, the wide receiver room is far from empty. Um, but I, I'm, I'm the older Aaron Rodgers gets and the more we've seen with, with what the Chiefs did last year. And I think if you can make this offense as tough to defend as possible, uh, I think it's pretty hard to hate on a pick. You know, if, if you take – I certainly don't think he's uh, in, in the discussion at 12, but I think if you take him – if he's around at 30 – I think you're you're jumping up, or even if he's a guy that he gets to 25, um, and all of a sudden we got to go up and get him, and they trade well, and, before and, and, 30 to go get him. I think that's something you can't really be mad about because it's just making your light your quarterback your this this savant of a quarterback's life easier. And like we saw in Kansas City, the harder you can make it to defend an offense, I think has to be a consideration at this point. And like I said, while it, it wouldn't be. Uh, a need per se. And I think there's guys that like you could probably conceivably take prior to that. I, I wouldn't hate it at all. And I think it's something that, that shouldn't be out of the question just because they took three day, three receivers last year. 
Well, and it's very unorthodox for them. It is like, you know, the, the Packers don't do this type of stuff. They go after defensive players. They go off of, you know, different needs. It just never seems like they go round one receiver, maybe second round, maybe day three, like we've seen in the past. Whereas a player like Hollywood Brown just doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense. But like we talked about before the show, maybe they move out of 12 and they move back to 23. Maybe Houston's a team that gives them a deal and they say, hey, we move back. And then if you're sitting there and I mentioned Hollywood Brown at maybe 24, 27 with the Oakland Raiders, if you take them at 23, I mean, there's there's a lot to like there. So it's it's different in a lot of different ways. And I, I like a lot of the things that Big O had to say as far as, you know, yeah, the room is is full but it's not what'd you say i can't even remember what you said you said it's it's crowded but not full i believe yes it's crowded but not full so like you get a guy that is unorthodox it's it's different from what you're normally doing but it's also like it makes your offense more explosive it gives your quarterback an aging quarterback that's been unhealthy another weapon and then, as we've seen with the run game, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. Aaron Jones has had injuries. He's had suspensions. Jamal Williams has not necessarily been the guy that you wanted him to be. This is kind of almost like a safety net to that. When the run game goes and it disappears, you bring in a Marquise Brown, and, and who knows? Maybe you could use him, not necessarily as a running back, but you would put him out on jet sweeps, wide receiver screens. It's just a different dynamic to your offense. I think it would make a lot of sense. So that's just the way I view it. But Go on. Yeah, and well, you know, and it, you, like you said, it, it would be unorthodox for the Packers. The last time they drafted a receiver in the first round, you have to go all the way back to 2002 when they took Javon Walker um, with the 20th pick in the first round. But so it, it, we talk about Hollywood Brown. He's been kind of. Again, I don't know the best way to phrase it if it's a reality that people think he's going to be there or if they just really love the idea. But we've talked too that. You know, after you, after Devontae Adams, like we've pointed out, there's potential, but there's not a whole lot of overwhelmingness at this point. But we've also, and we've talked about taking care of Aaron Rodgers, your quarterback. But so when you get to the 30th pick, that's kind of where I'm focusing right now. If, if Hollywood Brown and, both Hawkinson and Fant, if all three are available at, say, 30, with this Packers team right now, where do you go if you're if all three of those guys are available and you're looking to add to the offensive weaponry? Like, does one of them stand out more? Obviously, they play different positions. They have different roles on the team. But I guess when you're looking wide receiver versus tight end and you're considering about maybe drafting Brown, it, where where would the Packers be smarter to go with at 30 if all three of those guys are there? I think I'd probably go tight end, to be honest. I think yeah. to me, like, Hollywood is more of like a guilty pleasure, like tier two guy, where if your other targets are gone, I think that that's someone that's like a, I, I hate to call it like an impulse buy, but I mean something where you walk by and you're like, well, I don't know. I mean, the guys we wanted were gone and, I mean, we're here. We're having trouble trading back. Hollywood's here. We don't really need him, but he'd be a hell of a lot of fun, and he'd be. It would add another element to our offense that we really don't have. Marquez Valdez Scantling's a big, tall dude that ran really fast, but like Hollywood Brown is a like I said, he's a Deshaun Jackson type, legitimate. Like take the top off the defense, opens up everything underneath even more. 
I mean, if you put someone like if you put him on Devonte Adams' side and you run Hollywood deep, I mean, that's just so much room for for Devonte Adams to work uh, underneath it and really use that that run after the catch ability, guys like that. So, I mean, to me, I think if like Fant or Hawkinson are there at at thirty, I think that's probably going to be the pick, to be honest. Um, but I mean, like it, like I said, Hollywood Brown is to me like a, a guilty pleasure pick. If your guys are gone and you're like, well, yeah, I mean, I, you go with him. I don't think he's a plan A target or anything. I think it would be more of a, a guilty pleasure for me or someone that would just be extremely fun to watch play with Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, and like I said, it's it's a guy that in these Shanahan McVay tree offenses that role has typically been filled by a guy like that, a smaller blazing receiver that the Packers really don't have on the roster right now. But that'll be to be seen, I guess, if Matt LaFleur has, has kind of gotten in that in Brian Gutekunst's ear, like, yo, I need this type of guy. Um, because the Packers really do have a lot of bodies in that room, and I think they could fill probably a, quite a few roles, but they don't have that guy. So it would be more like, to me, if they end up going like Andy Isabella in the third round would probably be a more likely thing. But I, I, to me, Hollywood Brown, like I said, would just be like a, um, you know, a cherry on top to the first round of, we got a player we really wanted at 12, and man, did we make our offense really hard to guard um, at 30. All right, well, so let's go to the other side of the ball here. Uh, another player that I have seen uh, from time to time linked with the Packers, uh, Owen, you brought him up, uh, Darnell Savage, safety. Where, if, if, if he were to be drafted, where are we looking at him going, and, and what is the likelihood that Green Bay targets him? See, I think they actually would like him quite a bit. We saw this last year with Patton. He likes to be extremely versatile and extremely multiple with his defensive backs. I think he wants to play a lot of dime, which is why I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I don't think linebacker will be a huge deal, or I don't think that'll be a huge priority. I know a lot of Packer fans like Devin Bush, but... Um, you know, I, I don't know if you took Oren Burks last year. So really, if you take Devin Bush at 12, you're playing him above Brooke Mart- or Bre- excuse me, Blake Martinez in a year. So, I mean, I guess we'll we'll see about that. But, um, you know, to me, I think Patton wants as many um, tough, physical, uh, athletic defensive backs on the field as he can get. He's really good at manufacturing pressure with defensive backs. Um, so I think that that would be pretty likely. I, if you would have asked me two months ago, I would have said like, yeah, at 76, go get him. I think now if you want him, I think if it's not at 44, I think it might be at 30. I think he's really a guy that the NFL is going to love late and really kind of crash the party here in the first round. And um, so, I mean, if he's if he's not the pick at 30, I think he's not going to make it past 44 to Green Bay. But that's that range, that 30 to 45, I think is probably where he'll end up getting picked. And so, Russell, when you look at the Packers – they signed Adrian Amos in the offseason. You know, he's right now slated to be one of the starting safeties. The other safety position is still kind of open right now. Green Bay's kind of looking to fill it. You'd, you'd hope that, that Josh, Josh Jones could potentially fill it, but you don't know. Does Darnell Savage fit in with, with this defense that Green Bay is running? And, uh, you know, one of the, I, I guess I don't know much about Adrian Amos, and I, I, I certainly don't know a whole lot about Darnell Savage, but I know one of the complaints that a lot of Packer fans had about the safeties in, in this past year is that they were able to hit 
really hard, but none of them had any ball skills. So does, what kind of ball skills does Darnell Savage bring to a team if he's drafted? Yeah, I mean, I certainly think Darnell Savage is exactly what you, you're complaining that you don't have. I think he brings that, and it makes it all better. I think this is a guy that every time you watched him on tape, he was around the football. I mean, again, I was late to the party on him, so I'm not as high on others. But if I would have watched, I would say probably – two, maybe three more games like I did some other players at that safety position, he'd be up there. Uh, but he's certainly just a guy that, with, with the ball skills, it stands out. I mean, he click closes very well. And again, he's always, his nose is directly into the football all the time. He finds ways, whether he's on tight ends, slot receivers, whatever it may be. I mean, he's had eight, recept- or eight interceptions over the last uh, three seasons, 13 pass deflections. So, I mean, he's around the football. And if it's not you know, deflecting a pass and it's, you know, a slot receiver catching the ball on a, on a curl route or a running back on a swing pattern. He's literally there wrapping up, making the tackle and nothing crazy is happening after the play. So I think that's key too. He's a pretty good tackler. Again, the ball skills are there. So I think he would fit well with Adrian Amos. I think he'd fit well with this defensive back group. You know, you have J.R. Alexander, you have Josh Jackson, you add in a guy like Darnell Savage with Amos. I think it, it brings that core really together. And I think it makes it a lot better and stronger as a unit. Well, I know if if what you're saying is true, I'm sure Packer fans are salivating about that. Um, Rejoice! But, <laughs> all right, so we, let's let's close out here real quick, guys. So we, we've talked about players that maybe sneak up, drop out a little bit. I want you each to give me a player that nobody's heard of or would have very little knowledge of coming into this draft that. You know, might not necessarily be in the first round, but somebody that may be taken on day two or day three that can that will have an impact for a team this year, um, and and you know that people aren't necessarily looking at right now. And, and Russell, we'll start with you on this one. Yeah, I mean, I'll stay in the receiver room here. I swear, I'm not strictly a receiver guy. I swear, but. Uh... Jacoby Myers from NC State. This is a guy that stepped up in a big way this past year. Um, I I thought he was a player that could step in for NC State after Jalen Samuels got drafted last year, kind of become their X factor. factor, And he did just that. He grabbed 92 balls, you know, 92 receptions for the year. Uh, This is a guy that I think can play inside, outside. He does a really good job attacking the middle of the field. He didn't test as well as you'd like him to do. 4'6", 118 inches in the broad jump, a 37-inch vertical, which is exactly what he told me he would do at the Senior Bowl. Uh, But this is a guy that's a former quarterback playing now as a receiver. So he's still relatively new to the position, but I think he's a relatively good route runner. I like his shiftiness and I just like the way how he is technically sound as a receiver. He hits every single route in stride the way it's supposed to be done. And it's not, I don't want to say perfect, but I think in two years it could become perfect. He could be one of the better route runners Um, in football. And I think he's going to be a guy that could go out and catch 70, 75 passes a year. Um, And I think that's, that's important. I think teams that, that need a a slot receiver or need a guy that that's going to be somewhat of that underneath player, uh, Jacoby Meyer is certainly a fit. So I think round four is really that sweet spot. But if you got him in round five, I think it's tremendous value. 
And, and Owen, who is who is your sleeper? Somebody that nobody's heard of that could potentially make a splash this weekend. All right, so this is a guy I think, <clears throat> and I guess draft Knicks will have heard of him, um, and maybe even the casual fan will have heard of him uh, from when he was at another school three or four years ago, um, and that's Baylor wide receiver Jalen Hurd. Uh, he's a guy that's one of the most intriguing players in this class to me. He was a five-star running back recruit out of high school, went to Tennessee, um, played at Tennessee for two years, two and a half years. Um Got pretty beat up uh, playing running back in the SEC, and after um, you know one week in particular, it was kind of uh, he wrote a. There's an article about him, and he kind of talked about like he's like, man, I just really don't know if if this is going to be the way to do it. Um, and uh, had a, kind of a, a poor game uh, the next week, and kind of almost got phased out of the Tennessee offense. It was kind of weird, um, and then just kind of like left the team and transferred, and he resurfaced. Uh, at the end of the first semester, ended up in uh, Waco, Texas at Baylor uh, as a wide receiver. Now, this is a guy that, like I said, I mentioned he was a he was a five star high school recruit. He was a big time recruit. This dude's like six foot five and two hundred thirty pounds. He was playing tailback in the SEC. All of a sudden, he's playing wide receiver in the Big Twelve. He's a guy to me uh, is like Cordero Patterson, a really raw player, um, someone that could. I think, and he and he showed this at times last year. The ability to take running, take handoffs at Baylor as a running back. Um, like I said, he's a great big dude, uh, but he plays in the slot. I think he could play outside as well. Um, he's a return guy. He's just a guy that you try and get the ball into his hands, whether it's on bubble screens or on, like I said, as a return guy. Um, you know, I think he's a big target underneath. And um, you know, a lot of you know saw the Packers be creative, quote unquote, uh, with Randall Cobb at times, getting him in the backfield. I think he's a guy that. You can put him on the field, and, and the, the the defense has to account for him. He's a big, fast guy. He didn't run at his uh, didn't run at the combine, um, you know. But he's in around that that four, five, four, six range, and for a guy that size, um, you know, it can be a bit of a problem. So to me, he said he kind of fell into obscurity for a while, uh, a bit of an odd situation. I think if the um, current redshirt rule would have been been in effect then, I think that's probably something he would have done. Um, nonetheless, I think you end up at Baylor and, and had a successful season. Really, he's only played receiver for a year, but um, a large specimen uh, that somebody's going to get a good player and they're going to take him. It's really honestly tough for, for me, tough to gauge um, where he's going to end up. I think somewhere on day three, and it's really going to depend by team. Um, but someone I could see middle to late fourth round all the way back to sixth round, depending on how, how teams view him. But um, they said clearly an intriguing athletic skill set. Um, and, and how a, a creative offensive coordinator wants to use him could could dictate how early he's picked. But he's the other guy. I think that we mentioned Green Bay's receiver room's pretty crowded. He's one of the few guys that I would be okay with saying, I don't know if he's a ton different as a receiver than the guys they took last year, but he can do so many things that I think he's a guy that you get him on your football team and you use him as a Swiss Army knife. And, um, you know, like I said, we saw the Patriots use Cordero Patterson as a running back at times last year as well as a receiver and a kickoff guy. So um, heard to me is, is like that he's, he's kind of a, a jack of all trades. And um, like I said, one of my favorite players and one of the most interesting players to me in this class. Well, there you have it, your draft sleepers for tomorrow and heading into the weekend. All right, so guys, with the draft draft tomorrow, we focused a lot on the first round. I just want to get your guys' just real quick takes on this. Green Bay's got pick 12. They got pick 30. 
do they make two selections? Not necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying at 12 and 30, but does Green Bay make two first round picks tomorrow night? Uh, okay, me. So, uh, no, I think, uh, yes, they will be. I don't think they're going to keep the 12th pick, like I mentioned. I think they're going to be a team that possibly trades down. Uh, it just seems like that's the thing that they do. Um, if they do stay at 12, great. Prove me wrong. I don't care. But uh, personally, I think they're going to move from 12. And I, I think just with teams that, you know, Miami, Washington sitting there, I think there's just too many teams with a sweet spot for a quarterback and other offensive linemen where I think that they could value somebody, again, like a Dalton Reisner, maybe a Hollywood Brown, or or just one of the defensive players, like maybe a Montez Sweat falls down the board, um, and it seems like he's going to. So I think there's just too many players that they could pass on at 12 and move down and still get, uh, whether it's at 15 or, or 17 or you know 23 or, or wherever. So I think there's uh, some possibilities for them to acquire more picks for the future, especially in this draft. I think they'll pick at 30 for sure. Um, but again, I don't think 12 will be the pick, but, uh, if I had to choose who they were picking today, uh, I'll say Dalton Reisner out of Kansas state and I'll say Darnell Savage out of Maryland. All right. And, and Owen, are the Packers making two first round selections tomorrow night? See, that's where I'm, I, I gun to my head. I think they do, but I, I'm the opposite. I think they pick at 12 and then I think they package 30 and 44 and come up and get somebody. Uh, there's a lot of, they mentioned, Gouda Kuntz mentioned it. Uh, it was either in the opening press conference or at the combine talking about how, um, you know, when they had, it kind of made a switch to the three, four, they got Raji and then Ted Thompson said, let's go up and get this linebacker. Um, and, and I don't think that he, um, you know, there's been quite a bit of change this offseason. The Packers have really kind of dove into free agency, and I think they're going to go get somebody. I think they'll pick at 12 and trying to think somewhere that makes sense. How about 21 with uh, Gutekunst's buddy, uh, John Schneider, in Seattle? They traded last year together. Wouldn't surprise me at all if someone gets to 21. Um, you know, maybe maybe they go offensive lineman at, at 12, and then, uh, like you said, Montez Sweat, maybe he falls or – Somebody that maybe Devin Bush falls to 21, 20, and no uh, way. the Packers come up and, and they, they package 30 and 44, um, you know, and somebody, they go up and get somebody, uh, go up and get a guy that they really want. Um, this 30th pick is a luxury pick anyways. They weren't originally supposed to have it. Um, so you might as well use it and, and go get what you want. Um, I think you take two first rounders uh, over a first rounder, or I guess, take the two higher first rounders than you do, um, you know, with a first rounder. And then what I guess semantics 30 is pretty close to the second round. Um, you know, so as far as, uh, probably not two first round grades if they stick at 30. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but I think gun to my head, I think they trade up with 30 and 44 and go get somebody. Uh, and then Packer fans will be all happy. All right. Well, there you have it. Well, we are out of time for the day, guys. Thank you again, both Russell and Owen, for joining us uh, during this draft process, being part of the podcast. We really appreciate it. Again, uh, Russell Brown is a national scout for CoverOne.net and host of the Cover One uh, NFL Draft podcast and has been heard on ESPN Radio, Fox Sports Radio, and CBS Sports Radio. And Owen is a writer for Bucky's Fifth Quarter inside the pylon and played right guard at Carroll University. And again, you can follow both of them on Twitter. Uh, Russell is at Russ NFL Draft and Owen is at Reese Draft. Guys, thank you, like I said, so much for joining us during the month of April, doing all this draft stuff with us. We really appreciate all the time. Uh, thank you again so much for that. And again, 
listeners, make sure you got you follow these guys on Twitter if you are into the draft. Um, they're really great stuff on Twitter. I've been following them all month, and I've seen just phenomenal stuff out of them. So really great stuff there. So make sure you give them both a follow. All right. Well, guys, tomorrow's the draft. So stay tuned. We'll be breaking down all of the draft picks as they come out on the podcast here all weekend long. We'll be having coverage of that for you guys here at Pack-A-Day Podcast, so make sure that you are following on Twitter. Make sure you subscribed on your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, Andy Herman, our godfather, he will be keeping the podcast up to date with everything on player selection breakdown and all that kind of good stuff about where the Packers go in the draft. So with that, thank you again for listening, guys. And as always, go Pack Go! Sunday night football in the start of a historic season for the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers in the shotgun. Here's the snap. Rushes on. Rodgers nowhere to go, and he's snowed under. Back inside the 30, and Rodgers is down. Roy Robertson, Harris, Khalil Mack. And Rodgers unable to get up. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Down at 19 from the Green Bay 30. Snap to Kaiser under pressure. Immediately dumps it up right side. It's intercepted. Intercepted by Khalil Mack. Circle route to the 15 to the 10. He's to the 5 to the end zone. Touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Khalil Max had a sack, fumble recovery, interception return for a touchdown. Nine fourteen to go in the third. Chicago twenty, Green Bay nothing. Wayne, I actually see Aaron on the sideline throwing. Well, that's a good sign. Yep, he is. Of the shotgun, snap to A. Rod, looking downfield, throws it over the middle. Randall Cobb is there. Makes a spinning grab just outside the left hash mark. J.K. Scott, Mason Crosby. Here's the snap. Placement made. Kick is up. And it is good. So the Packers on the board with 3.37 to go in the third. Snap to A-Rod looking around and waiting. Lost it. Deep down the right side. Allison in the end zone. Makes a spectacular catch. Touchdown. What a throw. And what a catch. And the Packers get back into it. 39-yard bomb from Aaron Rodgers to Geronimo Allison. Corey Lindsley on the snap. Four-man line for the Bears. They're coming on a blitz up the middle. They pick it up. Rodgers looks. Lost. Left side. Got a man out there. To Rodgers under a blitz. Rodgers tight pocket steps up, throws the left, got Devontae inside the 10, head back, cuts left to the 5, reaches Pylon, and touchdown! Oh, what a play by Devontae Adams! Snap to A-Rod, rushes on, has time, looking, throws middle, got his man! Time.
Green Bay football. The game is over.